I'm super, super, super excited to tell you about my sponsor, Southwest Trading Company. Southwest Trading Company is a native-owned business located at 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you've never been to Southwest Trading Company, you need to go check them out. Right now, if you can, or after this podcast, or during the podcast, but either way, go check that store out. They have a lot of great items from different artists from all around, like jewelry, blankets, art, clothing, cedar boxes, indigenous home decor, car accessories, totes, and so much more. You could spend hours in this store. I'm not kidding. I went to the first time and I think I spent like maybe a couple hours maybe just looking around at everything they have. I mean, it's so unique. If you haven't yet, Southwest Trading Company also has a Facebook page. So if you have not yet, go like it and follow their page to keep up with all new items and events they have going on at the store. Once again, I'm super excited that we get to build together. The location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check it out, everybody. Thank you. What's up everybody i'm back today's guest i have a man of many talents he is Indian elvis aka michael loman hello how are we doing today good how are you good 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 hit that chiropractor yeah, uh yeah he's a good chiropractor man for real yeah he cracks me up how long you been going there for let's see, I think next week is my last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. Yeah. Wow. For did you have surgery or? Uh, just well, yourself? just doing the Elvis, you know, jumping around and kicking and stuff. The the hip switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I you know I was I was on the set of um, Killers of the Flyer Moon, uh-huh. and we I just had heat exertion, and I guess I passed out and I was sitting on the bench and I guess my neck just kind of flopped to the left or the right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so a week after that, I went to the doctor and they said I had a uh, pulled muscle, strained muscle in my neck. And then I ended up getting a uh, booster shot. And I think that added to it. But then I forgot later on sometime in between there, I had uh, took a tumble on my bike. I, I was riding my, I have a uh, uh, 2013 uh, Stork uh, Arrow, um, and I was going over these railroad tracks, and I heard these people coming out of this bar yelling. I thought they were fighting or something. I just looked, they were just hooping and hollering, mm-hmm. having fun. And I looked to my right, and my my uh, I turned my wheel just a little bit. You know, when you go look to your right, you know, your wheel kind of follows, and I happened to find that groove in between that, you know, those whatever you call them in the railroad and it stopped me in my tracks and I flipped over and landed on the back of my head and I always wear a helmet. And then, uh, there was some gravel the way the 
railroad is, you know how it kind of goes up a little bit, mm-hmm. like a little slope. So when I hit the ground, I, <laughs> I uh, slid down on the gravel and then slid out to the road, and the car had to swerve to miss me. <laughs> what? So I never thought about that part. I was because it was like, well, why would you mess up your neck? You know, I'm like, you know, because I got degeneration in my lower back and my neck and heel or a spur, a bone spur and some. I think scar tissue or something. So that's so I'm going through God. physical therapy and um, and chiropractor twice a week, one after another. Well, like I said, you know, with me, yeah, I learn a lot of lessons mm-hmm. uh, the hard sure. way. And luckily, like I said, the the spill I took was like on a good bike. I just happened to maneuver it wrong and yeah. mess up. And you got to be and carbons are good bikes. Mm-hmm. And they're light and they're actually durable, but if you hit them a certain way, mm-hmm. then it's like ganja. We we touched on. Um, I was gonna ask you. I listened to that. I guess that's where PBS is that you and Norris said that little audio. I still haven't listened to the whole thing. So I listened to it <clears throat> when it. I think when it came out, or maybe a couple, or maybe a week after. But I listened to it. I kind. I try to do my homework when I can, but on there. Uh, if nobody, if if somebody missed it, uh, Michael Loman is Indian Elvis, and so man of many many talents. Um, You're just saying that because man true. of many many talents. He's a bike rider. We I didn't know he rode bikes like that. He's a brave man. He's braver than me because I'd I'd fall and I fell like last year. My knee still hurts from falling, but I mean, I listened to that interview, but I think he said you you became like fond of Elvis when you were a child, right? No, what I was saying is I'm surprised I knew who he was. Oh, he, okay. he died when I was 7 and my mom had the it was either the Urban Tulsa or Tulsa Tribune at the time and she held the newspaper up, you know, how big the newspaper is. Yeah. And it he took almost a whole page and it mm-hmm. had him a picture of him, you know, with the microphone. And it says, Elvis dies at 42. And she goes, you know, she was like, do you know who this is? And I was like, yo, that's that guy goes, honka, honka, you know? And I was, yeah. And I was like, so I'm thinking, of, I, I don't know why I remember that. I remember that day. But I just, I already, I knew who he was. I just wasn't a fan. I didn't yeah. know it was, I just knew that. That was just so weird that I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then I never thought in a million years that I'd be impersonating him or, or doing any of his stuff or you know it was weird yeah when did you so, start like when did end of the start well like i said when i was in vegas um i was supposed to do some shows at this uh place in vegas and then the start of it i was gonna do and then we moved well, then we had to go back to oklahoma but we were still back and forth mm-hmm. and so i started doing it uh just singagrams i mean i did some shows but they i, I was still kind of nervous so it didn't really work out too good. And I was trying to do some singagrams and, um, you know, it basically just to make extra money. And I thought it was kind of goofy, you know, dressing up and, and, and for that minute, you know, you kind of feel like, um, until I got really some more experience until I got some really big shows like in Vegas, um, you know, at the hotels, you know, they're like, and now ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Welcome to the center stage, the most anticipated entertainer of all time. 
voted world's best Indian Elvis by Elvis Enterprises. A rebel without a clue, a legend in his own mind, and self-proclaimed Casanova of the Native American world. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the center stage, Indian Elvis! Anyway, so when, when they would do that, I'm thinking this is what Elvis felt like, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for for that bit and during those shows, I'm like, I feel like I'm in his shoes. Mm. And you know, like people always like, do you conjure his spirit? You know, and you know, I don't know if I conjure spirit, but I've done a you know a lot of my homework and watching videos how he moved and. And try to always rehearse the songs, and so, um, so when I'm doing it, I'm like, wow, this is you know, especially being in Vegas. I don't know what some of the, and of course, some of the casinos weren't the one I'm doing. The ones I've been doing weren't even around at that time yet, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but you still get that feeling of like being in someone else's shoes for that brief moment and feeling like he felt and feeling like it was, and being in front of the audience or people screaming your name and and just. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's fulfilling. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. You know, it's like you get away from your regular life and you're doing something that feels good. You mm-hmm. know, you get that rush, you get that feeling of euphoria, whatever you call it. And, uh, yeah, you get that little high, you know, that drunk, you know. Yeah. It's addicting. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. And then you were doing like the, what did you call the singograms? Sing, I'll call them Elvis singograms. So what I would do is I would dress up, and I had a girlfriend at the time that uh, she was a traveling nurse, and you know, so uh, I was trying to get like a music box with a microphone, and I was doing these acapellas, you know, mm. acapella, you know, I'm like, are you lonesome, you know, and I can't do the songs because you know I'm copyright, but. Uh, so one day she came home with this guitar mm-hmm. for me that she bought, God love her. And and I said, uh, what is this? And she goes, it's, it's a guitar. I'm like, I know it's a guitar, but I mean, is this for me? And she goes, yeah, you, you want to do your singograms with it? And I said, I don't know how to play guitar. And she goes, no one knows how to play guitar when they first get one. That's why you learn, you dummy. You know? And that was just when I think YouTube was coming out and I was watching how to, you know, uh, to play it, or I bought uh, a, uh, something with chords or something, and I remember the first three chords, so that's what I would, you know, start playing. And then, so like one time I was playing this one song, uh, I can't play the whole song, but you know, it was like, let's see, it was like, and then when I found out there's after I got more experience and knowledge of how to play then it was like so then it sounds a lot better than so yeah i was just so i'm still learning still growing um but it's so funny because when i talk to other musicians they're like okay what what key do you play in i'm like i don't know <laughs> they're like well i mean is it d or e or b or you know like i don't know mm-hmm. 
They're like, well, how do you play it? I'm like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I feel like Phoebe from Friends, you know, she goes, this is old lady, you know, she just has her hand like this, and this is Bear Claw, you know? <laughs> and that's yeah. that's how I, yeah, I don't know anything about music. <laughs> and the the cool thing was one time I was, I was I had this one roommate, I was like, can I play with your keyboard? He goes, yeah. And I was playing uh, Harry Connick Jr. song, and and I was playing it, he goes, I didn't know you played keyboard. I said, oh, I don't. And he goes, well, you were just playing it right there. And I was like, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't know how to read music, so I'm not a musician. He goes, no, you are a musician because you don't have to read music. And I thought, oh, that was kind of mm-hmm. complimentary, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, I don't know. I just always loved kind of messing around with different, uh, you know, different instruments. And even the electric guitar I started doing some blues. I learned uh, was, you know, most now everything I learned from is YouTube. Yeah. Like, I still don't read music, but they're like, put your finger here, put your finger there, and just do this and do that, you know? So, and it does take a while. I watch this other guy named Marty. I don't know if I can, Marty Music. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so let's play, uh, you know, let's learn how to play someone's, you know? And so then I'll just, and then watch it and I'll learn how to play it. And I'm like, oh, okay, then I just add the music, you know, add the vocals, you know? So, but it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's so funny because I can't play Elvis songs because they're copyright. But the funny thing is, you know, besides the couple songs that was made for him or that he came up with, he sang everybody else's songs. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, I mean, every, you know, from Frank Sinatra to even Olivia Newton, John. Um, and I was, you know. That was in the seventies. She came up with the song "If You Love Me, Let Me Know." You know, and he's like, well, "If You Love Me, Let Me Know." You know, and I'm like, "Do you have to sing everybody's song?" <laughs> but yeah, he was singing everybody else's songs. I mean, shoot. But then they're all copyrighted. I just, I just kind of, yeah. You know, what kind of guitar you got? Uh, this one is an Epiphone. Oh, I should know. It's beautiful. What is it? Epiphone. Yeah, I got this because it kind of looks like something Elvis would play. Mm-hmm has the little designs on it and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's an Epiphone. But it's like a J's five step, something like that. I remember that. Oh, it's a... Oh, I still don't know. It's an Epiphone. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Elvis song. Elvis. That's all I can say about that. And so you can't read music? Like you, you don't read music? I can barely read it. You can... At but, all. So, I mean, with the world we live in today, like... You have YouTube, so yeah, you have like another way to for someone to teach you. Like you don't have to pay somebody. Like you can just go to YouTube, and I mean that's how like I learned how to do everything I do. I was watching a podcast on YouTube, uh-huh. and there were these guys doing a podcast talking about Elvis. Oh, really? And so I said, "Oh, interesting. I'm gonna watch this." The phone rings. It's Trisha. And she's like, hey, I got these guys, you know, um, that want to do a podcast on you. And I said, I'm not making this up. As you're talking to me and I turned up TV, I said, I'm watching this thing on this podcast. I didn't even know what a podcast was until I was watching that moment. And then she had called, you know, these guys want to meet you. I was like, that is so weird. You know? Yeah. I was like, it's meant to be. So anyway, 
So, but like I said, it was a video podcast. Uh-huh. So when they were asking me to come over to Trisha's house to do the podcast, and of course I dressed up and shout out Trisha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she'll tell you like She's it cool is. Tell. Oh my god, <laughs> she I've known her forever, and it's embarrassing because. You know, I tell people, like, well, I was 5'10". She goes, you weren't 5'10". You was wearing those stupid cowboy boots. You were no 5'10", you know. And, you know, I was like, she'll tell me. She'll tell on me, you know. Oh, you just walk around with that long hair trying to be sassy, you know. Just, yeah, she'll make fun of me. She knows me. I'm, oh, I've known her family forever, you know. Uh, the, you know, the flute player, uh, her grandfather, or I, I can't remember how they're related. It's her grandfather. Yeah, it's her grandfather, you know. uh Mr. Haney, you know, he, I used to listen. It was so weird, too, because I bought a flute tape a long time ago, and it was, it was of his flute tape. It was on, like, a, a tape, you know, the tapes you put in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody knows what those are anymore. <laughs> and so my roommate, a couple weeks ago, she goes, oh, I found this in this uh, in one of my things, and I thought since you played flute, you might like it, and it was that exact same tape. So things come around. Wow. Yeah. And so... Yeah, and that was yeah her, and he did some medicine to with help me with that flute. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I'm, yeah, so I'm very appreciative of her and her family, and she's oh man, she's a native supporter, one of the biggest supporters I ever seen in anybody. But yeah, she she goes to everywhere to she she's came to the show support mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and she supports Isaiah and all them, and I've I've seen her at different different uh native uh events you know she's she's very supportive so mm-hmm. god love her god bless her i know and she has the uh awesome art markets oh yeah yeah art markets throughout the year is that the flute you're talking about yeah this is that's uh, the one you made no i oh. I, I do not make them but i play them mm. and um it's so funny i have i throughout the time i see people who make them but they can't play them <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got all these flutes, man. And, you know, and then I play something. They're like, you know, I don't know. You know, it's it's so humbling. And I got to, you know, like I said, when I, I'm going to uh, tell the story about how I became Indian. You know, a long time ago, um, I better not drop any names, but I was dating a young girl and uh, I met at the powwow. And like, you know, it's kind of a sad story, but you know, I now you know we all go. Well, I went through this ugly duckling stage, and we're still going through it. But I started growing my hair long to cover up my face, mm-hmm. and so when my hair got long, you know, and then I looked real native, you know, and so I was at the powwow, and this so I met this girl, and she introduced me to her mom, and her mom is running this dance troupe, and. So they had singers, dancers, you know, all the different styles of dancing. And they were singing, and and, they, and she thought, wow, you need to be in her dance troupe because you look very native. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know if you know, on, on Facebook recently I found this lady that I did some modeling for for her jewelry, sent me some pictures, and I posted it. And I, I got, seen them. I got, <laughs> got a lot of... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never posting anything back from those days again. Why? What happened? <laughs> oh, they're like... Millie Vanilli, girl, you know what's true. You <laughs> I didn't know? see any of that. <laughs> and then someone said, oh, Uncle Jesse, you know, and um, what did someone else say? Uh, Dang. Someone said I look like uh, oh, Aerosmith and, and uh, oh, Rico Suave. And, you know, <laughs> I got all these. I'm like, all right, all right guys, I'm not ever posting that again. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. 
But so anyway, so I had this long hair and she was like, oh, well, do you sing? I'm like, no. And she goes, do you dance? I'm like, no. And she goes, do you play flute? And I was like, you know, I got one hanging up on the wall, you know. And she goes, well, you go learn it and we'll put you in our dance troupe. And so that, like I said, I was trying to find ways to, to learn how to play. And like I said, Trisha's grandpa did medicine for me. And and then I met some Choctaw man in Tuscahoma at the Labor Day Festival who talked to me and and kind of showed me what to do. But n- no one ever showed me how to play. They just showed me how to pray. Mm. So that's the thing about it. you need to pray in order to play. And basically what I do, and I try to do it before every performance is I hold that flute up showing, you know, how humble I am and that the creator would, you know, come through me and put out the music. And so I had a, I was doing an event for American Airlines for um, last week for the, uh, what do you call it, Diversity Day for all the employees to, at the American Airlines to come see. So we were doing a couple of songs and, and uh, I was asked to play flute. So I did my flute song, and then this other guy, Michael Paul uh, Postopa, so he came up, and he did a rendition of his flute, and the thing was, um, I knew his dad played flute, and but the, when he was talking about the tradition of the flute, you know, he, he goes back four generations of flute players, and I thought, you know, that was very uh, humbling to me that, like, wow, I'm I'm around, I'm around people that uh, have been playing, you know, and, uh, traditionally for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I am just in my first, <laughs> you know, my my life, you know, to be around that. And, you know, it just kind of makes me realize how much people have really helped me along the way. You know, I'm just this little chopped out boy from, you know, once in Antlers now in Tulsa. I've had, you know... I don't know if I should say any names, but, you know, big names, uh, you know, that are respected and known throughout our Native American community take the time out and, and, and sing with me and teach me some songs and, and teach me some ways and show me some ways and induct me in different tribes. And, and so these are lineages of, of traditional people in their ways and their customs and their culture, and they're taking the time to pass it on to little old me and that is so humbling, you know. And this year, before I started doing all this acting stuff, I was working at casino, bartending, waiting tables. Um, and I've been doing that for like 30-something years. And after my uncles passed away, I had one of my uncles tell me when I was just beginning in the acting a long time ago, you know, 30 years ago, he goes, you need, you need to get a real job, get a trade, forget this acting stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I really wasn't, uh, you know, I was kind of shy back then and, and really didn't have any belief in myself. So I listened to him and I just went on my life. So after they passed away and I was thinking, and I heard this thing with Denzel Washington saying, you know, when you die, you know, your talents die with you and the spirits of your talents are just there looking at you like, man, you didn't use us throughout your life. You just wasted us away and now we got to die with you Mm -hmm. and for some reason that kind of affected me and made me think you know well i used to do these things i used to dance i used to sing i used to play flute you know i used to do these things and which i still did here and there but not as as much as i'm trying to do it again now 
And so a year ago, I took a picture and posted it on Facebook. And it was April 14th, and that's when I was dressing up to do that movie. So it's been a little bit over a year now since I've got back into the movie film industry and getting full time of doing all this stuff again. Mm-hmm. And one thing, you know, like I said, I started getting back into fancy dancing and and then right off the bat, not right off the bat, but shortly after, you know, they asked me to be a head man at this, uh, at the Indian Healthcare Resource Center powwow. And I was like, felt so honored. And no matter how many years it's been since I've been in that arena, in that circle, you know, even though I kind of lost it or forgot it for a while, it still didn't forget me. It accepted me and welcomed me back. Mm-hmm. And, and just like with the community, even though I wasn't doing as much in the community now, it's like, I'm, they're having me do a lot of things. And it's so, when I say humbling, you know, it's just like, it's an honor, you know, it's, I just feel, you know, my heart is full and, you know, and all this, this joy and respect, you know, you know, and this, you know, starting uh, June 9th, I'm, I'm starting to teach different kids from different schools. I think it's the Pulpa, Sand Springs, Jinx, Tulsa Public Schools, the hoop dance. And, and with that, I got away with that, away from that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And this was a dance that, you know, back when I was doing it, you didn't really see a lot of it until the YouTube came about. Then you start seeing more of it. And then this young kid, uh, and I got, you know, I, he's the one that got me back into hoop dancing, mm-hmm. uh, Dakota Lowrance. And um, he came to our Indigenous Day a couple years ago, and he just walked in walked up said hey i'd like to dance we're like yeah you can because you're great you know and Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking he's the one and i gotta take a picture with him and see and he passed away about a year ago in a in a climbing accident and so he would take a little bit of traditional ways and little contemporary ways and combine them and he was just doing these tricks you would not believe and since then you know he's encouraged a lot of other hoop dancers not just me and it's just really been taking the world by storm, even though it's been <laughs> in our traditional ways. And, you know, but even back when I only saw it one time at a powwow and it was on a video mm-hmm. and that's the only time I've ever seen it. And so being taught that, you know, uh, and there was no really traditional way I was, I was taught. I was taught by a, a Boy Scout uh, camp leader who was teaching all these other kids these native dances. And so he taught me the basic, um, what do you call it? Um, routine. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be teaching the basic routine. And if they if they want to advance or go some another level, I got some other moves that I like to do. Like I throw it up and catch it between two hoops and put the third hoop and you know and um, and I and I was going to do this hoop dance for the um, thing at the oh, it used to be the Veterans Park. And it was so windy that day. I couldn't even do my, I was, I threw the hoop up once just to see if I could get away with doing this one thing. And I threw it up so high and the wind took it and I had to chase it like a quarter mile down the road to get up my hoop. Back. I'm like, so I'm not going to do that move at this performance. But I mean, yeah. So I get to teach all these kids from all these different schools. And, you know, I never became a, uh, you know, they have the Herd Museum and and I believe in Phoenix, Arizona, where they have the annual hoop dance competition. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe this time around, you know, I want to go there and compete. You know, I want other kids to learn this so they can go compete, you know. And some of these kids, you know, they're going to take with it and carry on with it. 
maybe teach their kids, maybe become some champion hoop dancers. Some kids might get away from it for a while. But that's the thing. It's always there. You know, our, our traditional ways, you know, sometimes, you know, people, you know, after they finish school and stuff, they go off and they try to make a career out of them, you know, quick. A career for themselves. <laughs> I gotta watch what I'm saying. A career for themselves, and then, but you know, they always come back home, mm-hmm. and and home is always uh, here for us, and our traditional ways is always here for us, and that's why I'm like, and I'm trying everything I can do to walk this red road and stay on the straight and narrow, and you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, and you know, I try to, I try to live these spiritual ways and try to take it everywhere I go, you mm-hmm. know, and try to bring something to wherever event. And I'm talking all crazy now, but you know, that's what I'm saying. This, that's how excited I get about mm-hmm. our traditional ways. And I still got so much more to learn and I'm getting back into singing again. Uh, we used to sing, like I said, when that lady, um, you know, was telling me about the flute to learn it. She had, they already had their singers, so I started learning some Ponca and Oto songs, and and we used to have a little uh, a drum group called Medicine Wind, and uh, you know, with some guys, and we we're all young, singing around and singing all these. I remember this one elder came up and put some money on the drum and asked who would, who rendered that song, and that was a song that he remembered when he was a young youngster, you know, and just, you know, just. Things like that, man, that just tug at my soul, you know, and just wants me, want me to keep to passing this on what I've been so freely taught, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, it's just a lot of uh, encouraging ways and uh, about our traditions and about our spirituality. And I think if everybody had that, man, the world would be a lot better place. Yeah. Well, it's great that you've went back to that. Like, it didn't... but I think everybody everybody goes through that like because i i grew up not knowing our culture and language and stuff but then i moved out i moved away from here and i went to i i and there was like more of it over there but i didn't really understand like what it was and i had to learn about our true history and stuff over there because in public school they don't don't teach you that stuff and so I don't know. I just, I just didn't understand it when I was growing up. I didn't. Nobody took the time to tell me what the songs meant, or like, like with language, like everything's like very descriptive. And I had to like, I'm 33 right now, and trying to learn my language and stuff. But I mean, you just, I don't know. For me, it was just, I felt like I, well, I needed to at least learn it a little bit. You know, learn what I could because sometimes like this stuff just goes extinct too, mm. and so. And I get what you're saying about everything like you're doing, like you know, you just kind of like it never forgets you because I learned a little bit of language in, in middle school, but I was a kid and we just kind of I just kind of screwed around in there, like I just took it to take it to get out of something else, you know, but I mean. But yeah, man, it like never it's who you it's who we are, I guess. It's 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 just who we are and and it's like it's never it's hard to learn, yeah, because we're so accustomed to English and stuff and all these ways that we live now, stressful days and stuff, but I don't know, it's just like very it's in our blood, you know, so 
but I think that's cool, man. Like, you know, you you were a head you were head man over there at that powwow. I forgot actually. <laughs> like like we showed up to that powwow and we went to our booth that Norris was at and he was like, Yeah, Nor or uh he's like Michael was a head man. The thing was, you know, I'm used to doing these like shows for the schools. Yeah. And you know, it's it's been kinda far and few between since the COVID and everything else. So I do like a five minute hoop dance and the you know, like I think the 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 fancy dance song's like three minutes. Mm-hmm. So and then I play flute, sing a couple songs and you know, uh, uh illustrate and collaborate and, and, and tell about all the different dances. You know, I try to do it within thirty minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'm only dancing for like eight minutes, but not together and separately. And I have a breather in between. So that was the first time I, like I said, that was the first time I've been to power in a while mm-hmm. to, and, and being a head man right off the bat and dancing all those dances, leading them in, dancing all those hours. And, uh, and I forgot to set my, uh, thing for how many steps, but oh my gosh, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it to this power. And, but you know, the spirit carried me. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh yeah, fancy dance. We're at the very last, you know, competition and. And so when I got out there, um, you know, I'm 51 years old and I'm at that category where I'm still dancing around, you know, with 19 year olds, you know, it was 19 to 52 or something of the category I was in. So, and I felt, you know, I saw some video. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't do too bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you see the kid next to me just like, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, now I look, look at, you know, now I look like I'm slow motion. But you know, I'm I'm happy how I danced. I I, I feel like I still did a good job and mm-hmm. represented, and uh, and I didn't even place. But you know what? I still felt good. I was able. I'm just glad I was able to get through the songs, mm-hmm. you know, and and dance back to back and dance through the whole powwow and still dance and be able to compete at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was sore for three days. You know, my legs. Oh my gosh, my calves look like Popeye's forearms. Like for three days, I'm like, dang, I need to keep it up you know but i was too sore to even walk you know yeah. and then uh we call these on your legs your hamstrings not hamstrings but your uh. bicep, not biceps i don't know <laughs> but those were swole too i was like dang so yeah i mean my legs look like little bodybuilder legs for <laughs> three days but i was sore couldn't do anything after that oh my god i but, bet man but like i said i was still going through uh some of the the chiropractor and, and the and the PT physical therapy and I was asking them I was like you know they're like yeah just don't overexert yourself and don't and, you know and part of my neck problem you know we have to I have to rock my rocker back and forth and turn it and I was like oh I'm going to but man that whole night I wasn't feeling any pains or aches and I felt pretty good mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying being around that I prayed you know those prayers in that circle and the spirit took care of me and I wasn't even feeling any anything like before or during it but before and after yeah but <laughs> during it man I was I was taken care of and that's what I'm saying if we lived in that world all the time we're always being taken care of you know just real quick I never really tell this story too much because you know for a long time I would thought you know maybe people might think I'm crazy and telling this but uh, one time you know when I was you know, first trying to start my new life over again and, and getting everything, all, you know. Um, I went to a, uh, this 
meditation period and I was meditating for like three hours and nothing was happening and I was really bad in health and you know uh, high blood pressure just everything and so I was meditating and I kind of came to this world where this you know the sky was kind of a a different color the trees were a, all these colors were colors but I just can't explain them and then the blades of grass you know they weren't really green but they were kind of a green with a kind of a turquoise mix anyway so the blades of grass opened up and it was all these bundles of things and I remember seeing I remember what the sage and the sweet grass was but I didn't know all this other stuff and and I thought well um you know what well, I'm not supposed to do with this I'm no medicine man but you know I went ahead and gathered them up and of course when I came back down to earth of course I didn't have anything in my arms but man my physical just started getting better my mind started getting better all these ailments I had with my body started getting better and so um you know I, I it, it's so weird because when I was looking and studying and researching about some of the things about heaven and dying and and even somehow I got on somehow I was able to accidentally catch this thing on Prince and he was talking about you know, remember the song, the sky was so purple, there were people running, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and he's talking about heaven, you know, and I was thinking it did have a purple tint to it, you know, and then I was reading something else because the colors, you know, I'm an artist, so I couldn't, I couldn't duplicate the colors. And they said, you know, in heaven, we, you know, on earth, we have so many prisms of colors and in heaven, there's three times that much. And I was like, that's why I can never duplicate what I seen, you know, and and it said, you know, in heaven, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no, you know, nothing. So I think that time that I meditated, that's what was healing me. Mm -hmm. So in that's what I'm saying. I think if in that circle, I had no pain, no suffering at that time. You know, like I said, I was going to PT and you know, chiropractor before that and was sore after that. But during that, man, I was taking care of everything was everything was prime. And I'm, so that's what I'm saying, you know, our traditional ways or, or, or spirituality, as long as we keep in that realm, at least try to all the time, we'll, we'll always be taken care of. And, and, uh, and that's what I, you know, especially with that circle, with that hoop dance, man, that's why I want to, you know, I tell the kids when I'm, when I'm, uh, performing at a school, I'll hold, I do five hoops. I can do up to 18, but you know, the, I was told traditionally, you know, a real hoop dancer, all you need is five. You know, if you can make it look good just with five, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just opinion of one guy, and I just follow it. But uh, I do, will do some shows where I do like 18 just to kind of, you know, build a. But so I'll take one hoop, and I'll tell the kids, I said, this could be your homework, you know, struggles with homework. And I'll hold up another hoop, and, you know, this could be, you know, I say milk money, but that's how, I don't know if they still have milk money or whatever, you know, and, uh, cause I always kind of get weird looks from the kids like milk money. What's he talking about? You know, <laughs> you mean juice, you know, juicer, you know, um, and I'll say, well, this could be your teacher getting on to you and this could be getting up early, trying to get up early for school, you know? And I said, you know, so these hoops, you know, you're going to see me getting tangled up on it and you're going to see me jump through the hoop. And then just like life, you're going to get tangled up with issues, you know, troubles and things. 
calamities and you're gonna have to jump through hoops in life but it's what you make out of it you're gonna see me make an eagle you're gonna see me make a guy on a horse you're gonna see me make an alligator you're gonna see me make a rocket ship you're gonna see me make a butterfly you know and a buffalo so look for these you know and that's why i try to explain about the dance you know the dance is a balance of life mm-hmm. and so you know i tried to explain about the world you know i said you know the world is is perfectly balanced for the earth to you know sustain life it must have you know air water and it has has the place to put everything on and fire and it goes into mental physical emotional spiritual so there's the fire the water the earth and you know and what the physical water fire air oxygen you know everything in order us to sustain balance in life you know Mm -hmm. so of course you know man these days you know with all the oil and everything we're we're taking mother nature off balance you know sucking the blood life out of her and i think that's why we're having all these uh weather changes and earthquakes and floods and of course you know it's funny because people like you know they go well the bible you know we're gonna die you know i'm like well no we're going through a lot of changes i don't believe you know earth has been in existence for billions 30 what 3.4 billion years or trillion years and we do we in in just in the last hundred years we've you know we put a hole in the ozone layer you know and we're doing a lot of we're losing our human resources just in a matter of time that you know we've been developing all these things on Earth and we're not taking care of our Mother Earth you know and you know and Mother Earth has a way of uh, cleansing itself and sometimes it's not pretty and I think that's what we need to try to you know. I mean, that's why I try to educate, especially these kids about, you know, our ways and, you know, they're just not folklore. They're just not, you know, things that we just, we believe and, you know, just as our magical spiritual ways. No, these are facts about earth that uh, even before, even before the farmer's almanac, you know, you know, people, there's this one guy who's always kind of teasing me. He goes, oh, you believe in the turtles and the. I said, well, that's a different tribe, but I said, I said, yeah, the, the turtle is one of their, you know, totems, momentums of our spirituality because I said, you know, before Farmer's Almanac, you know, they would see a turtle and it would hibernate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when the spring would come and, you know, you see the turtle because the ground is, you know, the, the turtle's slow in movement. So when you see that turtle come up from the ground, you know that ground's fertile enough to start harvesting, you know, and that's when... When they see a turtle, they know it's time to start harvesting. That was before Farmer's farmers Almanac. I can't even talk, you know. So mm-hmm. in a lot of our ways and a lot of our things, we knew about stars before, you know, anything. Yeah. You know, before the theologians and all the, you know, uh, scientists, we were already connected with, in tune with our nature, you know, and everything had life. Just like the trees, you know, it gives off oxygen takes our carbon dioxide there's that circle right there that circle of life you know and just everything is a circle you know north south east and west we got the elements we got you know everything you got four corners of you know four colors four corners different colors of the corn you know just everything so everything's in fours you know yeah 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 trees are very important bees are important i heard well i know that if they got rid of bees and we wouldn't even it caused like total chaos. The trees, yeah, we need them to breathe, and here we are cutting them down. This. Well, just like in the, 
was it Yellowstone Park, a lot of the vegetation was going down. A lot of animals weren't really uh, surviving. And they brought the wolves back into captivity. And even though the wolves are um, predators, you know, a lot of, and there was a lot of prey there, but, you know, it started, you know, vegetation started kind of coming back and animals started kind of, because you need that circle mm-hmm. to, of life to kind of go around so everybody can live. Yeah. And taking away or putting too much in or, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, that's what humanity is doing today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's it's sad that um, <laughs> I always hear elders talk these ways, and here I am trying to live these ways to try to protect protect our our culture, our earth, our our family, our you know our community, and um, our mental state. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of this is what we could we could alter and do if we just. And that's why I thank you for this privilege to be able to say these things, so other people can hear them. And learn from them. Yeah. And so, and saying some of these things, and like I said, with the PBS thing, I was approached by someone that was like, you know, I've heard some of that story uh, in the past about, you know, uh, kids picking on you because you're a different color and, you know, your mom doesn't wash you, you need to go. And I was trying to rub my skin off. And mm-hmm. I've heard other, you know, uh, elders, you know, say in the past, you know, when they used to play cowboys and Indians, they always wanted to be the cowboy, you know, cause, mm-hmm. and, um, but you know, uh, you know, the military got our guerrilla, their guerrilla warfare tactics from our Native American people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why we was able to sustain life for all those years and survive through all these things, you know, um, uh, chemical warfare, you know, uh, trying to kill off our source of supply for our, needs you know and we always sustain life through our spirituality and our ways and keeping it and that's how we're gonna even thrive even more and it's always funny because i got this uh, guy he's uh he's an old uh logger or timberman or whatever you call it from north and he lived with different tribes and you know the way he says it, it's kind of funny he goes yeah the government sent you all y'all natives or indians to school and now y'all became lawyers and getting your land back and getting all your uh you know, all your treaties negotiated and back, you know, because the higher ups, you know, they want to, they want to control this land. And, you know, and it's like, man, this land wasn't, was here before you guys came over. <laughs> and, but because we have a creator that says, love everyone, they, we gave you sanctuary. We taught you how to live amongst this land and let, and then, and so there's the taking over of everything is this, you know, is just, is just sad because now we're losing, like I said, we're losing all of our resources. Everything's going up. We're getting wars over it and lying about what we've done or haven't done to sustain our oil and rights and mineral rights and all this stuff is, and, um, <clears throat> and I don't know, it's just stuff that I have no control of stuff that I could talk about and hopefully other people talk about and kind of, it may be getting to an ear, a buzz, like a bee in someone's ear that might need to hear it. Mm-hmm. That's all. I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm done. No. I don't mean it, but dang, yeah, you get me talking, man. I'll start going off on things. And well, Yeah, it's crazy because gas is like, it's supposed to be at five, bu- five bucks this summer. Sucks. So, well, pretty you much know, staying in the entire time. 
to try to to uh, supplement my income, I started doing what's called uh, Spark Driver, uh, de- Delivery Drivers Incorporated. And so, because I don't know when these gigs and these acting things and movies and you know and performances, you know they're 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 all few and far in between. So I have to supplement my income. So I started doing that, and so you know the average of what I was making was okay, but now with this gas, you know, it's like, dang it. You know, it's like, I don't even know how I'm going to, I hate to say it, but I don't even know. I mean, I'm going to make it home, but I'm barely (laughs) going to make it home. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm still waiting for these other checks from this uh, movie or the thing I did. So I'm waiting for that. And I worked on Friday and Saturday at this place called Lot 6, um, and I do KJ, you know, karaoke jockey. And so I get paid for those. And, I, you know, what I work this week will help out. You know, it's just, and but yeah, the, the gas is really just taking a toll on my job that I was trying to supplement my income for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, my mom's like, you need to get another job, you know. And I told her, I said, let me just take a year to get into acting and see how it goes out. If it doesn't go off in a year, then I'll go back to being miserable and going back to working at a casino as a bartender slash server. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's just trying to have faith and courage to go through this hard time of, uh, you know, uh, just trying to make it financially. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, something better happen quick or you might just be seeing me back at the casino and serving drinks and serving food. Which casino? River Spirit. You work, When did you work there? I worked there till last year. Really? I worked there... What the end of 2018, I think. I went to I was Osage. There. Yeah. You were there during that time. Yeah, I started there in 2015. Were you there then? Yeah. What? No, I don't know. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I, what? Let me see, because I was there four years. So last year, so 2001, 20. Okay, I must have been there like right at 17 or actually it was. Actually, you know what? It's so weird. Just hit me. October 16th, 2017, when I was hired on her. Yeah. I don't know why I remember that just now. Wow. So you, 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 I'm guessing you were on second shift though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, told, I was on first. Yeah. There was a guy, time. Michael Sloan. Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. I know him. So I worked with him on killers and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm, you know, I might need to come back if things don't work out. He goes, yeah, how are you on? You know, he does security. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Said, just make sure I get a cushion job or you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't be fighting out there on the, on the floor, you know? <laughs> Get if you get mornings, it's pretty it's pretty chill. Nothing happens except for like uh, medicals. That's the main thing on first shift is medicals. But other than that, it's chill. It just sucks about scheduling too. I was, I was like, I think my days off are like Thursday, Friday, but still, you're only getting paid like eleven or twelve an hour. So you need. Luckily, they had the. Uh, benefits no the end the the events so that's overtime but i mean i was like i'd barely spend time here so i don't know even if things get bad i can't i can't go back to that stuff because like i mean yeah you I'd just maybe just, rem- rem- remind me oh yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be struggling there or struggle out here doing what i want to do or struggle there doing what i don't want to do yeah kind of remind me of that you know? yeah because I forget you got to work the weekends. And mm-hmm. any casino, you have to work the weekends. That's to. the business busiest times. 
And the weekends, that's when I had the powwows. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I forgot uh, Copan was going on this weekend. I don't know oh, why yeah. I forgot about that. And I was like, crap, I got to work Friday and Saturday. I don't, I shouldn't say I got to. I get to. <laughs> I still have fun doing that. And, um, but I was like, well, maybe I can go there and dance Sunday. And I just got some new mocks, and I hate to, to ruin them by all the rain that we've been having. And then, but I love the outside powwows. And, you know, I think, well, I can dance Sunday and Monday. And even if I don't compete, at least get out there and, you know, shake my bustles around. Yeah. Hooping, hollering. Yeah, I would say just keep doing it, man. Don't don't give it a year because I mean, you never know like well, what could a little happen. Over a year. Like I I mean like you never know like what could happen, but I mean if you just dive in like full force focus as, as hell, like just hit it hard. And I mean like and while you're there, you know, you're networking too. I remember Riker was saying like he'd always like get on set as a background, but then ask like questions about the camera or like the lighting or the, the, the audio setup or like stunts or like, and he's a stuntman too. So he was like, if you need someone to do stunts and you know, I do stunts and then you show people his reel and stuff. And then, you know, and I mean, that's like, cause I know like some people are like that do background, like they don't really, they just kind of, get there and they hang out they don't really do anything but i mean taking advantage of it because i mean that's a studio like that's a production place that's like probably looking for more workers or something you know and and then if you like say hey i I can do this and i can do that and or like i don't know i mean things just lead to other things you know well hopefully for me you know it was so funny because on killers of the flowery moon Mm -hmm. i went in as a driver i was a football player a golfer and an extra so and the first uh photo of that movie of anything of the actress was of me and this other guy uh chance and uh i can't remember that guy but you know they posted and but the way they had me look you know they put they put all this gel in my hair and combed to the side made me look all dorky Uh uh-huh and so, like, I'm standing in front of one of the, um, the casting directors, and he's like, all right, I need some good-looking Indians to marry these women for the church scene. And I'm standing right, looking them in the eyeball like I'm looking at you right now. Mm-hmm. And he goes, take off your hat. Take off my hat. Take off your, or pull down your mask. Pull okay, no. And he'll be looking around. <laughs> and he picked everybody else but me. You know, so it kind of made me, uh, like, damn, this business is harsh. And I remember one day, uh, everybody was getting coffee and donuts, and so I went to the trailer, and I was like, can I get a, just a black coffee? And the guy, and this other guy comes up, and he goes, no, throw that coffee away. He's he's an extra. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, and I got so mad, because I was like, you're filming on our land. This ain't no California BS. You're, mm-hmm. you know, this and levels of, you know. And, uh, and then he just took the coffee out of that guy's hand that was pouring it for me and just threw it away. He goes, you need to go somewhere else. I'm like, Wow. So that's why I was like, maybe this business movie, you know. Anyway, so I was doing everything I could get to every shot. So, like, I'm standing there and they're picking people out and they go, okay, get your markers, you know, background. And I would go and sit in a chair or something where I'm not, I wouldn't even designate to sit down. <laughs> and they're like, all right, action, you know, and I'm sitting there. And, and then, like, 
one time the director walks, one of the casting directors, did I put you there? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. You know? <laughs> so you should see me a lot in those, in, in the movie. And there's a couple times when Leonardo was passing in front of my car and when I'm driving and there's a marriage scene. So you should see me a lot. And I'm standing behind Robert and Leonardo during this one scene, and, you know? And so some of it was uh, very heartening to do, but you know, on my ego side part of it but you know the real factor behind the movie of why we're there in filming that's the biggest thing right there to watch mm-hmm. um we did the explosion scene we're running in you know during the fire and that was really oh my god see like right now it tugs in my heart that was really emotional knowing that that happened you know you know like we were like second class citizens. Like it's okay to, you know, do away with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there was a, a part in, uh, where Tantu Cardinal, you know, in her, her playing her character, she, she, uh, passes away. And then, so the other actors are crying and man, I was just like, I was like, Holy crap. You know? And it's like, and then I had to remind myself, Oh wait, we're just acting. This is a set. This is, I mean, but that's how it take me, took me back, you know? And it was the realism of it, you know, just to, to have to live in that time to worry about, you know, am I going to make it through the night? Is mm-hmm. someone going to come after me and burn my house down? Am I going to get shot? You know, and just to live in that time of worrying about just because the color of my skin, I'm going to be, you know, and, and taken away of my rights just because I'm a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to think about our elders, you know, or, or, or the people back then that had lived that way so we could live today, you know. And like I'm saying, that's just, um, it's very, uh, you know, the emotional part of it just really, it's just like, wow, you know. And um, <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons why I think today that I have to do some of these things and, and you know, try to be that warrior mindset, you know. I've had these elders, you know, warrior, you know, they take care of their family. They take care of the women, the children, the grandparents, the elderly, you know, their community. And they, then they put themselves last, you know? And so, and, and it's, it's hard trying to do that, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, but to get the encouragement of like, you know, this is our culture. This is not just a souvenir, souvenir, you know, shop of, you know, how we do things and what we do and you know this is real life um that's been passed on and how we lived for generations and generations mm-hmm. just like the michael paul being the fourth generation foot player and here i am just the little old chalked up boy just been playing maybe about what 30 years something like that mm-hmm. and there's generations of other people that have been doing things for lifetimes mm-hmm. you know so that's that. That's what makes me very honored and humbled that I get to do some of the things I get to do, and I guess that's what keeps me going despite of the financial part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough, man. It's tough. It's it's not easy. It, it's really it really isn't like doing what you're passionate about and you love. It's it's not easy. I mean, money goes into it, time goes into it, but. Well, I just mean, like the Elvis stuff, like, you know, the the money that has to go into making the suits, to cleaning the suits, to yeah. keeping it clean, the sunglasses I have to buy because I don't have, you know, there's no real Elvis sunglasses, so they they're about anywhere from ten to twenty bucks, and they break 
easily, mm-hmm. you know, because they come from Amazon and not putting down Amazon, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, they're not real sunglasses. They're uh, costume jewelry. Mm-hmm. Costume jewelry breaks. They're just for costume wearing once or twice. So I'm constantly having to buy all the sunglasses, you know, and, and the shoes, they wear out, you know, and the the sound system, the, you know, the songs I have, I have, I bought them back when they were just disc, you know, CDs. And I have 487 songs. And there was like, I think there's like 20 or 40 disc. And there's probably about like 20 songs in each one of them, you know. And that was a pretty penny back in the day. And, and so, you know, I want to perform for these elders, like at these retirement homes. But the people that are dishing out the money, I'm like, okay, well, I got to set up. So it's going to take me 30 minutes. You want an hour show. Then I got to break back down. And then, you know, people want to take pictures and, you know, sign autographs and hugs and talk to me. So that could be another 15, 30 minutes. So you're looking about two and a half to three hours. So, you know, I'm just saying, you know, let's just say, you know, for you guys, since, you know, you're, you know, 250 and they're like, whoa, that's so much. Oh my God, no, 100 bucks. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm there for like close to three hours. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, and, but people don't understand that. Yeah. And this one guy that he got me in touch with this one uh, retirement home. He said that last time they paid a hundred for this guy, he was like, I think it was like six five, and like, uh, what do you call those? Uh, 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 a flood was coming in. What do you call? It? Well, anyway, his pants were too short, mm-hmm. and uh, and they said he didn't sound like him, didn't even look like him. And there's three things to make an Elvis impersonator because I've been watching, you know, doing my research and stuff. It's, it's the moves, the look. And the voice. Now, with the contouring and the hair and everything, I I think I'm about 75% on the look when I got the sunglasses on and everything, especially with the outfit. Um, I grow my heroin hair, my sunglasses, or my uh, sideburns. And so the voice, you know, I've, I've been told by people that, uh, that I was right on sometimes, most time. Mm-hmm. I'm a good days and bad days. And... Um, so, you know, I got about, you know, out three stars, you know, maybe about two and three quarter stars, you know. So, I you know, yeah, give me the money because I've, I've been spending a lot of time on perfecting this and getting the stuff done and growing out my hair. You know, I don't just have the lead press on sideburns. These I have to wear these in sideburns in public all the time. <laughs> my yeah. hair won't fix a certain way, you know, and, <laughs> and I can't put it up in a and put the hairspray and gel in it all the time because... I think it's kind of making my hair thin on top. So I don't know how much Elvis I have left to me. But, you know, and and the funny thing is, you know, just trying to be in the entertainment business, I've, I've been Elvis Johnny Cash. I've been Elvis um, Michael Buffer. So they, I had, I had bought, and that's another thing. I had bought a uh, tuxedo and I got it real cheap. It was brand new, but it had, I mean, it's cool to me, but the reason it was so cheap because the inside of the suit it was camouflage. Oh, really? But I thought it was pretty cool, yeah. but it was like so. I got a uh, what do you call it? a uh, 
tuxedo suit, I think it was for like 75 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I always find good prices on suits and stuff. So I got that for 75, which, but still that was, I only used that once Yeah. for a, a, a Michael Buffer show. And I was at a boat show. So they had the mic come down. Like he was talking about <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I'm like, and now ladies, you know, and I was like, I can't say, but I would, I would say, <laughs> let's get ready to party or let's get ready to. So I do that at karaoke. And I'm like, let's get ready to powwow, or let's get ready to karaoke, you know. So, but yeah, I've tried to do everything. I do art. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, like one week it was raining, and I haven't been able to do beadwork in a long time, and because my eyes are bad, my sun, my glasses don't even work anymore. I have to get a new prescription, and because I don't have insurance, because I'm self-employed, you know, and. But I end up buying this with those magnifying glasses, you know, you put on your head. And so, I'm, so now I'm getting back into bead working and trying to, you know, a lot of beading going on in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's tough, you know, it takes a lot of eye strain, a lot of, a lot of light. Yeah. Well, doing it in the dark. But, but she's <laughs> but, young. But she's like 21. Yeah. She's young. <laughs> Just cat eyes. <laughs> I know. I see in the dark. I got glasses maybe like four years ago, and it's it's crazy because you don't really like notice how bad your vision is. You're just kind of like going day to day with it. But when I went to that doctor, man, she was like, "Cause I think my left eye is a little worse than that one," and so I knew I was getting them all wrong. Cause I, I can see up close. I just can't see far away. Like I can't, everything's like, it's not blurry, but like words are blurry. Like I can't read far away. So it's just, it's, it's pretty bad, but, but they fixed me right up and it took a while to get used to glasses, but, but it was cool. That was when I worked at River Spirit. So shout out to that insurance. <laughs> oh, I need insurance. Got them free. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, dude, it's, it's a. Uh, well, since you guys are such good friends of mine, you've seen, you've come to my, well, it's not my karaoke, show, but, <laughs> but, you know, you see how I dress, you know? Yeah. All those blazers I got from JCPenney. I should, I, I should be getting some promotions up here for mentioning all these different stores. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they send me free stuff. But, you know, they had like this blue turquoise, it's called Laguna Blue mm -hmm. blazer. I thought, because well, I like to stand out when I'm doing shows, you know, and I thought, well, that would go good with the 50s Elvis, and then I could wear it at the work, you know. Uh, so all the suits I've gotten, or I've gotten, I don't know if that's a word, all the suits I've obtained were on the clearance aisle. <laughs> and they weren't just like one or two. They were like 10 of them of each color, because mm -hmm. no one would buy those. And I'm like, these are my colors. Shoot. <laughs> So I, and I was getting I was getting the blazers for like thirty five bucks. Yeah, you know where can you get a blazer for thirty five bucks? You can't even go to a thrift store and get them because they're like, oh, that's almost brand new. So I'm like, no, I know, I'm right? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, they, you know, so I've gotten a lot of my suits for like thirty five bucks. The whole complete suit for like seventy, mm -hmm. which they're at least you know go to a real respectable suit place. There's going to be at least two hundred and above. Yeah, or any blazer. I went to find a pink one one time. And I went to this other place. I better quit saying all these names <laughs> until they start paying me. But I went to this other place, and I'm like, yeah, we, we have it, but we have to send off for it and get it tailored. I said, okay, how long will it take? About two weeks. When do you need it? Tonight. 
And I'm like, well, how much is that one right there? I, that fits me, like 300 bucks. I'm like, just for a blazer. And I was like, okay, well. Hell, this ain't going to be in pink blazer tonight. Man, yeah. He was being cruel. I Well, shout out. I mean, like, JCPenney has some good stuff. That's where I bought my blazer. I've never had one, but I needed one for the show, the the end of us on the red show. Oh, uh, you bought that one for I that? I bought that for that, and then, uh, I, then I had a... Uh, a Q&A I had to do for Mark Williams at Circle Cinema. But it was cheap, man. It was like 60 bucks. I mean, it wasn't... Because I seen the original price. It was on clearance, too. But it was like... Damn, it was like 200 bucks. And luckily, it was on clearance. and But it didn't have a price. And when I took it up to the register, I just said... I was like, if it's too much, then just take it back. I said, but there's no price on it. And she scanned it, and it was like $60. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take it. And it fit me too, and everything, and it was a good little buy. But I was gonna ask you. Yeah, I see you. I see you thinking. Your yeah. Eyes are like, what was I gonna say while I'm talking? Go ahead. I remember now. So, how did you get linked up with Norris? Um. Okay, so see. little backstory. Norris Streetman is the director of Indianapolis on the Res, the talk show. Uh, I kind of think of it as like a Jimmy Fallon type SNL thing show comedy biz comedy hour but i thought it was supposed to be like 30 minutes but it ended up being an hour i don't know if that's the proper time but yeah it's a it's a show myself daniel warrior jordan j.i we were the first guest on there michael loman was the uh host as Indonovis, and it was directed by norris streetman and so yeah i was just curious how you guys linked up you know I can't even think about how that came about. <laughs> but I do know after he had talked about it, doing Indianapolis on the Res, first off, I thought, that is a s- silly idea. Mm-hmm. And then I was in talks with these other two ladies who have been trying to get this movie out, and I can't talk about that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they'll... I've Actually, I talked to them not too long ago, and... Um, they still said they'll have me as soon as they get the movie up and running. That's going to be, oh, it's going to be, I'll be, I'll have a speaking role in that one if, if when it comes about. Uh, I'll be cast, not uh, main character. But um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, I told them, I said, yeah, there's this crazy guy who wants to do this. And then I was on the res, a talk show, and me and they're like, hmm, okay. Well, if it doesn't work out with him, give us a ho- holler and we'll, I'm like, really? So then I was, you know, I talked to a couple other people. I'm like, yeah, that might work. That's different. You know, so I said, all right, let's try it. And, and um, we, we've we been having some struggles on the way. Nothing nothing personal or anything like that. It's just, you know, <clears throat> I've never done a talk show before. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's my first time. Um, and I never really, I mean, unless there's specific acting to do, I can do it. Improv, I feel like I'm really good at that. So, when I first interviewed Dan Warrior, for instance, he was talking about, well, I want to be a, a big actor, in, not just in height and size, but, you know, a big Academy uh, Award actor like uh, Will Sampson. Mm-hmm. And to bring out the native in the culture of, in the back into the movie business, because it, it goes in and out, in and out, in and out, you know. And so... I said, well, you know, back when 
Will Sampson was doing uh, Outlaw Josie Wells, you know, being the only native actor on there. And, of course, Clint Eastwood being the main character and the big star back then. And Will Sampson was just kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. He he stopped production and said, I'm not going to continue unless you get some real natives on this set. And what did he do? They got real natives on that set. So, anyway, I mentioned that because it's a true story, and I mentioned that to kind of collaborate with what he was wanting to do and saying. Mm-hmm. So when it came back to me, you know, Norris was like, no, don't iterate. Just let him do all the talking. You just ask questions. Mm-hmm. So, and now it's like, iterate, be, you know. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like, so we're kind of going back and forth through some stuff. So we're working some stuff out. Mm-hmm. So, and after seeing this last, and, you know, that first day of, of doing I don't want to tell anybody I was sick because then it would have made everybody worried or, you know, like, because COVID was, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't COVID. It was just a headache really, yeah. and, and really bad. And, um, and I don't know if I could say this, but it seemed like to me, you're kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I remember giving you a hug. I, you know, I'm just meeting you and I'm like, mm-hmm. Give me a hug. I was like, man, we're going to do five. Right. And I tried to be a trooper about it. And I was trying to, and I noticed on this, on, if you've watched it, Oh, of course you're there, but I don't know if you noticed, but you see my head kind of going down a little bit at a time. Yeah. And I'm trying to come back up and like, you know. Yeah. And to me, I just wasn't full on, full on, full on, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so we had went back and every week, like hours, we were studying about what to do and how to do it because we we're going to edit it, some of it. So, and I lost a lot of work time you know, doing my driving thing because I was working with him. Mm-hmm. So, and then a couple weeks of that, and then a week of actually reshooting, editing. And I was all in that time, you know, I'm like, yeah. And then I'm smiling and, you know, getting all, you know, trying to iterate some stuff in between and edit it and the takes and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so on the premiere, I'm thinking, wow, it might have should turn out pretty good. And it was just the same <laughs> The only thing they edited out, which, you know, was like I had said something about what I was just talking about being on the Killers of the Flyer Moon, how I was mistreated, how I didn't, you know, how the ego puncturing and, you know, hurt feelings of it. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of my monologue on the first premiere, on the first uh, episode, I said, but that's okay, because now I'm here with you, you know, to talk to an audience member. Yeah. So he's like, ah, no, we ain't gonna use that. I'm like, what? That's classic. You know, that's like love right there. That's saying, you know, I don't care what happened as long as I'm here with you right now. You know, mm-hmm. and but see, we didn't use that. So that's what I'm saying. That's where we collaborate. Some of the stuff he thinks is good, which I think is good. You know, so we'll we'll work we'll work it out. But um, yeah. But so some of the editing that they did didn't come off really good on with me doing my monologue. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't get to finish my joke, you know, just kind of cut off. And, and I was like, I don't even like, so of course I'm a really, I really critique anything I do, my art, my music, my dancing, you know? So I didn't get to really be the, like I said, it was just like, some of it was like, well, you just cut me off and I didn't get to finish the joke or, and it just kind of went through real quick. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, but that was the original all, I mean, so when we when we saw it at the thing, it was just all the originals, so all the editing we did, all the time we took to it, to preparing for it, to do it, to film it, and get it on, you know, and none of it was used. And I was just kind of disappointed. But, 
you know, um, he said we could either show that or not show anything at all. Yeah. And this, this, you know, I had so many people say they're going to show up for that. Mm-hmm. And they had my back and they're going to support natives and all this stuff. I don't know. And, you know, we all have different perceptions. But for me, I was like, you know, I didn't see a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I felt. I don't know if you felt that way. It was mild, I guess. But I mean, it's a weird. What was it? A Tuesday? Mm-hmm. It was a Tuesday. And then you had like graduations going on or you had like into school stuff and and then there's other stuff going on too and i mean like it's just a crazy time because it was right at the beginning of may or like right at that peak too where just things are happening and then it was weeknight and and then there was like really no like like a facebook uh event for it like i think it's like Cause it was just all kind of like word of mouth and like social word of mouth. Like you, we're just sharing it as we can. I mean, but like if you make an event out of it, like you make an actual like Facebook event and you list everything that's on it and you make it and then you share it, like you're able to invite people to it. That's what we do with like our rap battles and stuff. Like we make events and then um, there's like a little part where it says invite and I'm just, I try to invite or Castro tries to invite like everybody on his friends list so usually it's like about 200 people say they show up but then it's like about 80 75 but i mean it's just i think i asked norris if we we're gonna do an, a facebook event and i said i would make it but we never got back to each other like i just forgot because i got so busy with other stuff too but but i mean i think the right people showed up i think well, that I mean, too was supposed to be there. I mean, I mean that's how it goes though. Like people will just say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll be there." But I get it. Stuff kind of stuff happens or whatever. Or you know, I'm not I'm not here to say, you know, they just didn't go. You know, but uh, I mean, like it's just like right now, like because I do live shows too, and people show up, people don't, and I just I just still do it. Like I still do what I can to. Just try, try my best, I guess. But I didn't know how the film would go, so I was just like hella nervous for people to see it too, because I was like, because I couldn't remember what I said, I couldn't remember like how I was acting, I couldn't remember like anything that I did on that show, and I was like, but once like the footage came up, then I started remembering like all the things that was going on, and I was like, man, I was like, but I, it was good. I mean, there's a part where. The audio kind of, of course, of course, when I got on camera, the audio went really quiet. <laughs> well, I know this is one part you're talking about martial arts. And I was like, yeah. what? Whoa, you know, and I make a joke. I said, well, 30 years ago, I was a black belt. Uh-huh. And I said, and now I'm a gray belt. And then you can't really hear it. Yeah. And then you hear uh, Jordan say something. And so it's kind of you can't hear what I'm saying. And. And the the vocals came on too fast, and then you know, and then of course you know, it just just little stuff like yeah, that. it was little stuff like that, and then, but I thought it was funny because I was gonna get all mad at me afterwards. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I told her I was like, of course, when I talk, the audio goes out or something. But I mean, like, it was cool though. It was cool. It was a cool little like first time experiment. Um, he asked me for like a lot of feedback, and I gave it to him like. 
before this was even like premiering. I think it was like a couple weeks after we did the show, like we filmed it and he just asked me like my true honest opinion on like the production crew and like the timing and all that. And, you know, I gave it to him, you know, I, I, I'm no expert, you know, but there's certain things that can be done. Just little things, you know, Well, like I said, I think that's the main thing is like, you know, I see things where I wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. you know, and the things that were, this is all of our first times. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Don't be so hard on yourself. And I'm so, I'm, I'm, tough on myself but lenient on other people mm-hmm. so and i was like you know i should have done this i should have done that but now like i told norris i said you know what we better we better help him get it going because i'm gonna be on, i'm on fire now yeah and I've, I've gotten some confidence um i was on the set of uh reservation dogs mm-hmm. and so just a real quick story you know i dress up as a light horseman so it's so funny i'm dressing with all these other guys you know, we're not in the same dressing room, but, you know, we're all in different trailers. Mm-hmm. I'm dressing. We're all getting our clothes from the same thing. I So I have my hair in a pompadour, like I wear it when I do Elvis. And I had these sunglasses on, not the Elvis sunglasses, but the aviators. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing there, and this one native guy, I swear, he just kind of looks at me. He's looking me up and down, and he looks kind of nervous, like, you know, like, Maybe he has some marijuana or something. I don't know. <laughs> or, something. or maybe he did something. Maybe he's got, I don't know. I'm, but then he looks at me. He's, you know, I, I'm looking at him with my sunglasses. You can't see I'm looking at him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey. And I was like, yeah. He goes, are you a real light horseman? And I'm like, no, man, I'm an actor just like you. We got dressed <laughs> together. We already was, oh, okay, yeah, just make sure. All right. Well, you look like one, you know. And, you know, and I was just kind of, it was just kind of funny. So I go on set and, you know, people like, because it does say if you do have some experience or if you are one, you know, on the the thing to, to promote it, to get people in there to do that. But I had I had at least three people ask me if I was the real light horseman, mm-hmm. which, which kind of felt kind of cool. <laughs> and I feel like one of the rest of one now. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing was, you know, so we're walking through production to get on set. And there was a couple people there that I worked with on Killers of Flyer Moon. And so... I heard one girl's like, hey, it's Indianapolis. And I, so I wave over to her. And then so, and then I heard people on set saying, hey, Indianapolis is here. Indianapolis is on set. And I thought, how cool. You know, people kind of know me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not as, you know, I don't know. It just, it was just, I'm not trying to sound boastful or anything, but it was just like so cool that people were like talking about me. And, you know, and so anyway, we did this one scene and, I'm not supposed to give too much away, but anyway, I do. You'll see it when it comes out, episode two on August third. You'll see me on there. But I did this one thing, and I guess the directors like it, and they're like, "What's your name?" I said, "Michael Lomond." He goes, "Come with me," and they set me right next or stood me right next to the one of the main actors. Mm-hmm. So the camera's on him, and I'm right there. So the camera's on me too, mm-hmm. and I did this thing, and they're like, "We love it," you know. And then they had me do this other thing where it's in another big scene of it. And I was like, they're like, can you come back tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. You know, so came back the next day. And and then, so like I said, I heard, you know, I could hear the buzz of people talking. I'm like, and then that was, you know, and then lo and behold, Sterling Harjo came out from nowhere, you know, and he goes, and then Elvis, you know, and, you know, 
And shout out to him because he's the one that put Indian Elvis on the map. Uh, a while back, he did a, uh, when he was working for This Lane Press, they did a documentary on me. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was my first time really being on a TV. And I just, to me, I look goofy and I just didn't like the way I look and everything. But, but what he did was really, was really great. And he put Indian Elvis on the map. And I've heard so many people really say they really like that production of it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was after shortly after that, I was going toward to actually getting on the plane to Vegas. And getting on the plane, they had a, a newspaper stand, and they had this Land Press newspaper. And if you ever seen it, and you open it up, the picture of me of Indian Elvis on the front page is as big as the Elvis. In 1977, that I was looking at when he died. Oh wow! And so, just the connection to those two, and then just seeing it as I'm going to Vegas to do a show and seeing that, I was like, just those little things like that, like wow. But anyway, so thank you, Sterling Harjo, and like, but he was so humble to come up to me, little old me, and give me a hug, and glad you're here and stuff, and you know, and uh, they're like, can you come back tomorrow? So I came back the next day. We shot for a little bit, and then he put me behind another actor kind of like at an angle and so there's another headshot now i don't have any speaking roles but you'll definitely see me and know who i am <laughs> and that was just so cool and uh i got to take a picture with zane and uh you know and i'm kind of a big fan of his you know and and he was so he was so humble too he goes all right you're that inner nervous that does this show and i was like you know about it you know and i thought wow <laughs> you know a big name like you kind of know about my little show you know mm-hmm. So that kind of gives me a little encouragement, like maybe this will take off and hopefully. But like I said, I'm I'm so gung ho about what I what I want to do now as far as that show and what I need to do. And of course not be sick. And but yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I just told Norris, I was like, just let me be me. Just let me be me and go out and just be full force and be and um I think we're gonna have a really good show. And you know, so that word talks like I want to get this lady. Uh, I better not say her name till we get her, but she's an artist, uh, a Native American artist, and I noticed her through her art, and so we we kind of you know collaborated on some stuff, you know through art. Since then, she's gotten to uh, bodybuilding or fitness, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's doing these shows, and I thought, well, that'd be even better, you know. We can do some art stuff together on the show, and then. While I'm in my jumpsuit, you know, she could be showing us like her workout regimen, and it'd be kind of funny seeing me trying to do squats with the weights and stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. and I thought, well, even we'll even do more. Like she'll have the real weights, and I'll have like those plastic weights, you know. You'll see in the, you know, you ever been to like Dick's Sporting Goods or Academy, and you're like, you'll see the display, and the weights are fake. Yeah. So go get something like that. And then I'm like, yeah, these are easy. Yeah, I can do, you know, just just something (laughs) stupid like that. And so, you know, but then she's in Houston. So then he's like, well, we got to fly her up. And I don't know who's, you know, like, well, that's how we get the show made by having people, you know. So that's why I'm saying we're going to, we're, we're, we're collaborating. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully he'll start seeing stuff my way. Really make it happen, but yeah. Uh, so you know, we're just trying to get some people on, and I had you know my own, my own cousin. You know, I was like, he's doing this rap group thing, and I guess they're doing pretty good. And they got Spotify or Spotify or however you say that, mm-hmm. and they've been doing all these colleges, and they're kind of getting known. 
And I was telling his mom, I said, well, you know, we need to get him on the show and get his little, you know, rap band. And I love rap music, you know. And they're like, you know, they're like, well, let's just see how 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 do you how you do first before we come on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess the one that actually controls the what they do, he was the one that was like, not my cousin, but him was like, well, let's just see how the show goes, and then we'll think about coming on. And I'm like, no, you got to come on now. You yeah, know, that, we're you're not. You know, people are just waiting for us to get big before they want to do anything with us. It seems like to me. I understand that. And I'm like, no, yeah. you got to do it now because we're gonna help promote you because you're not anywhere yet yourself. Yeah. You know? So, and that's what I'm thinking. What about, you know, we all need to help each other and kind of get everything, everybody growing, everybody doing stuff. You know? I know. There's enough room for everybody to be out there. I mean, I've had, I've had a few people that I reached out to for this last year, like maybe March. Some left me on red and then um, some were like, I mean, it just, I, I could tell it was an excuse. And then, but then as the time went on, like, I think when probably around the time, like in the Novus, like I was posting about it, I was like, man, I'm going to be on the show or whatever. And then that's like getting hit up to me. It's like, like you said, like, why not help each other out? You know, don't be like some kind of way to like, well, let's see like how it works out for you. And then, then we might, you know, we might come on or we might do something with you. I don't know. And then it's like, it's like, bro, we're in the same boat. Like, like I mean, I'm I'm promoting you. You're promoting me or this is your platform or whatever. Like, I don't understand like the whole, it's just egos, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like just this ego thing. But, but for real, like I'm booked up. Like, <laughs> like, like I was booked up when they asked me because I had something else coming up. Oh, that was Halloween. So I had like Halloween and I had like, the next month was November, so I had something else coming up. So I had already planned like the whole, like I think it was like three weeks ahead into the future. So I had stuff going on, but yeah, dude, it's I really hope Norris keeps up with it. I mean, it was uh, it was legit when I got there. There's like three cameras or maybe four. I don't even know. I think we have four or five now. I mean, but see, that's the thing. After we're doing the reshoots and like, okay, now we know where to set up the cameras. Yeah. So next time we do it, because there was people walking behind us, <laughs> and then, and I was like, we need. And I always told them, I said, we need to bring it more toward the middle of the stage, not to the side of the stage. And that's how we got the people. Mm. So you know, maybe he'll start listening to me a little. Bit, you know? <laughs> I liked it though, man. It was a good experience. It was. It wasn't just some random person with a camera which is nothing wrong with that but there was there was some there's at least some sort of like lead going on and there was like production assistance then there's people like like in the back with you giving you water or like food or something you know there's like an actual like little green room which is new to me i was like this is hella cool like we just sat back there and chilled before like the whole thing even started and I'm not, I'm still not used to that. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, like, I don't know if I should say her name. Anyway, she was like, can I get you some water? You need a cookie? I said, yeah. oh, if I need anything, I'll get it myself. And I'm like, okay, what do you need? You know, I'm like, I'm like, and you know, just like <clears throat> one time I went to, like I said, one of the times I went to Vegas, I had a guy escorting me around, show me where to go, you know, mm-hmm. and I had like two shows in two different hotels and, 
And he was like, okay, go this way and go that, you know, and I'll come back and get you, pick, stand right here and I'll come get you and show you, you know. And, uh, you know, he had water and, you know, I was like, can I, did you need, did you get some, did you get to eat? Do you need stuff to your room? What can we get you, you know, and mm-hmm. what, what can we have ready for after? And I'm like, I'm okay. You know, just <laughs> thank you, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's just because, um, I don't know, sometimes I think, well, you're not big enough to be like that, so, you know, and maybe it's just the humble side of me is like, you know, I'm okay, you know, I'm just me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I always say, I'm like, I'm just little me, you know, <laughs> and, you know, but that's okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be like, you know, some arrogant, you know, people I've seen at the casino that come in, you know, oh, God. <laughs> that they hired. I ain't going to say any names, but I remember some of the, you know, I I knew one of the female country singers that everyone loves and everybody, you know, and she's from Oklahoma and kind of my area, you know, they even have a street named after her. And, and then she was walking down the hall and you can't look at her. You can't, you're not <laughs> supposed to look down. And so she ended up buying the whole suite and, you know, like the whole floor, uh-huh. not just the suite, but the whole floor. And certain things that you know and so i heard some of the people that were like big fans of her like i ain't fans with that you know anymore yeah i was like wow you know and i'm thinking these people are the ones that got you to where you are you need to thank them you need to hug them you need to you know give them some flowers you know don't Mm. let them you know you should be looking at them saying thank you for my life yeah not don't look at me you know for real i heard jaylo's like that too for real yeah (laughs) Like, you can't talk to her. You got to talk to her assistant or something. There was one band when I worked at an event. Um, I forgot who it was, but they wanted a certain type of water that was only sold in Arkansas. And they told them that, like, a day before their flight came in. And so whoever whoever had to run over there, grab, like, so many cases of water from Arkansas, come back have it chilled already and ice or however they wanted it. Cause you know, they want like certain things like put out, I guess. And I mean, the M and M's with all the red ones. Out, <laughs> yeah. One stuff like that. And then that water wasn't cheap either. So, I mean, and I remember hearing that and I was like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I forgot what brand it was, but it was a certain water sold there in Arkansas. To be on the plus side, I've met Billy Gibbons and like I know who he is. I'm from that era, mm-hmm. you know. And all the people I was working with were a lot younger. He he was sitting in the back of the of the uh, restaurant, like in the kitchen, mm-hmm. waiting to come out. And and I was like, should I even say anything? Or I'm like, so I'm just standing there waiting. To, and I said, I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> and he got up. He goes, Thank you, bro. You know. And he shook my hand, kind of gave me a little half hug. I'm like damn you're nice you know mm-hmm. you're a legend and thank you for being so cool you know and, yeah and i was telling all my other co-workers and like i said they're all younger and and like which one is he i said he's the one with the black shades on they didn't get it you know mm-hmm. cz top mm. yeah and they didn't get it anyway so <laughs> you didn't get it and uh oh yeah you're young too and so um but anyway yeah and then um oh who else came in there um you know, one of my, uh, what was that? Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Tony, uh, oh, I can't even say his name right now, from uh, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he was a big guy. Oh, I can't even think of his name. Tony and, Romo? No. Uh, 
Anyway, he was showing his rings, you know, and he had all his Super Bowl rings. And mm. he would, you know, he signed my thing. And man, Aww. he was so nice. And, you know, it was so funny because this girl, I never seen her before. She doesn't work there or anything like that, but I never seen her as a patron. And, um, you know, she was all like, we signed my, you know, pulling her shirt down. And apparently she took off her shirt. Dang. Like, and I was like, but damn, people get crazy. But yeah, he was real nice. And, um, uh, I, man, I got to see George Strait. You know, one of my, the, you know, the kings of country. You know, legendary. And uh, you know, I've met so many. You know, even before the casino, I remember I had a friend that wanted to go see. Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? The legendary. Uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Coal miner's daughter. Mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn. And my mom's a fan of hers. And so they're like, come see it, come with us. I'm like, I don't want to see an old, old lady, you know, and like she's a legend of country. Come on. You know, so they convinced me to go. So I go and my mom's birthday was coming up. So I went and bought a CD thing, you know, has like 10 CDs on one side, 10 CDs on the other side. So she's going to go interview this lady. And so, so we're kind of standing off to the side and she was so awesome. You know, I ended up watching that show. And she even brought up Elvis and meeting him and how she got her dressed to kind of collab, you know, to mimic his outfit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so in the middle of that show, I became a fan of Loretta, Loretta Lynn. And uh, so now I'm just looking at her like, wow, that's a, I understand why she's a legend of, of country. And so, so we're hanging off to the back, you know, watching my friend interview her and, and then she goes, are those your friends? And she goes, yeah. She goes, well, come on over here, you know? And so we're like, oh. So we walk up and we're like, I miss Loretta Lynn, you know? And, you know, and so she goes, oh, you bought my CDs. And I was like, yeah. I said, well, I bought it for my mom, but now I'm a big fan of yours. But, you know, she goes, yeah, I'll sign it. I didn't even think about her signing it. And so she signed it. And <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. So, I mean, to give that to my mom and signed by Miss Lorellyn. I mean, that was awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And at Choctaw Nation Labor Day Festival year, one year I was playing flute. Well, actually, I was going to go there to do some acting. And um, for some reason, I was leaving my apartment, and I looked down at my flute, and something told me to bring it. And those were little whispers, you know, from you know, from the creator. And I was thinking, well, I'm going there for acting. Why am I going to bring my flute? So um, I listened to that voice, the inner voice, and I brought my flute. So anyway... I'm on this thing on stage, and they're like, can you show us what you're going to wear? And I open it up, and like, what's that? And I said, it's a flute. It plays a song. So I play them a little song. And they're like, hey, we got a, an hour slot. You know, it was like during the day, sometime like around one or two, when no one was really there. And I was like, man, as a little kid, I always wanted to be on the amphitheater at the Chalta Nation Labor Day Festival. Mm-hmm. And so here I was, you know, so I got my hour slot. So they're like, and Michael Loman, Native American flute player from, you know, I come out. And there was like an old lady with her three grandchildren in the amphitheater sitting down. There is a teenage couple, you know, kind of far back there making out. And there was an old man, you know, sleeping, you know. And this was my, this is my audience. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know what? You know, I asked, I asked the creator to put me on the stage to get me here. I didn't ask him. I didn't tell him. I forgot to ask him to fill it, you know, mm-hmm. with people. 
but I thought, well, you know, I'm still going to play like I'm playing in front of a thousand billion people, you know. So I'm playing and I'm going through all my songs and it seemed to go really fast. It seems like I'm only playing for like 10 minutes. That's how fast it seems like it's going through. And then I have my eyes closed and I'm playing on just, you know, and the, the acoustics and everything was going really good. And I hear a guy go, Mr. Loman, five minutes. And I nod my head and I'm playing. And next thing you know, I open my eyes and the whole amphitheater was filled. And this is in the mid, like midday, you know, the, they don't have that many people unless there's a concert, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and the screen was on and they were, I was me on the screen, you know, so that was my big kind of first hint of glamour or, you know, being on stage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to make this real mussy, you know, so I'm, and I get my flute and I'm just pouring everything I got to the last note and I'm belting it out and, and then I stop and it's real quiet. And I thought, oh my God, I must've really stunk. And then next thing I hear, shh. You know, it was the applaud of everybody. Uh-huh. And I looked around. There's people behind, people behind, you know, outside the, you know, from the amphitheater, people behind people. Yeah. It was like the whole Choctaw Nation Labor Day was there. It was so cool and awesome. And, and I was like, wow. So I took my bow. And so they were like, Mr. Loman, you know, until you do something good. They're like, you know. But then all of a sudden they gave me a room in the back. Mr. Loman, we got a room for you back here. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. It's hot. So I told my family to come back there, and, and so we're all sitting back there, and you know, uh, they're like, "Oh, you did a good job. We're proud of you," you know, and and you got us just air conditioned room, you know, and <laughs> so my uncle goes, "Yeah, but do you have a sprite?" You know, and I'm like, "I'll go get your sprite," because they had a little other room where they had like you know a little refrigerator and you know snacks and stuff. So I'll go in there, and uh, so the refrigerator doors open. There's a guy in overalls, bent over, getting all the water out of there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go over there and ask him if there's going to be a Sprite or anything in there. And he must have sensed me or something. He goes, here, young buck, start taking these. You know, and so I was taking these waters and and he comes up and he's got this, you know, he got these braids, you know, and his overalls and, and uh, you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Legend, another legend of country, Mr. Willie Nelson. What? Yeah, he was playing there that evening, so he got no he way. There. So he's getting all these waters. He's bringing them to his. Uh, well, he had one bus there. I think like two or three got there later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, and so anyway, so he was like, uh, you know, he kept on calling me Young Buck. He was, you know, help me take these to the trail. So I'm holding these waters, you know. Then we go into his bus. Which is like a mini, I don't know what we call it. Uh, it was luxurious. Mm-hmm. You know, had all the seats and all the gadgets and everything. Air conditions, you know. So, you know, he's telling one of his roadies or whatever. He goes, give him a tip. I said, no, I don't need no tip. And he goes, well, that's what you work for, don't you? And I said, I don't work here. <laughs> he goes, oh, you know. He goes, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I was playing music. He goes, you playing tonight? And I said, no, I was playing earlier you know about an, about an hour ago and he goes oh he goes oh you're the one playing the flute and i said yeah he goes well some of these guys didn't get here until afterwards you know uh, a little bit before you you know before you ended would you bring your flute back and 
and play for us. And I thought, wow, you know. And and you know what? I knew who he was, but like Loretta Lynn, I knew who they were, but I just didn't like, I wasn't excited, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I brought my flute back and I was playing for them and, you know, I played uh, Amazing Grace and I played one of the, the songs that I made up and composed. And so Willie goes, well, I forgot exactly what he said, but he basically goes, I, you know, I owe you a song since you played for us. I always, I forgot how he said it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so he goes, I'm like, oh, you don't have to play, for, you know, because I'm thinking, I don't, I don't really know your music, you know, and <laughs> and then he brings out this guitar and it's like this old guitar, even it had like, you know, it reminded me of a guitar of an Indian cars, you know, it had bailing wire and duct tape all holding it together, <laughs> you know, and it had a hole in it. And I'm thinking, this guy's supposed to be a legend of country music and he's got this old beat up guitar with a hole in it, you know. And so he goes, what do you want to hear? And I said, I don't know. Uh, and the only song I knew of him really was, you know, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow, you know, Urban, or not Urban Cowboy, uh, whatever that movie was. And he goes, no. He goes, I got one. And so he starts playing. And that guitar doesn't sound anything like it looks like. Mm-hmm. And he's he's doing Travis picking, which... I don't know if you know, but you use your thumb as the bass and you're picking three fingers and you're doing all these notes at the same time. And you're, I found this out later, but yeah, I'm like watching his fingers go all over the place and it's doing all these medleys and everything. So, and I start realizing what he's singing and it was uh, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. I don't know if you ever heard him. I got the live one-on-one session, not, you know, uh, Austin City Limits or anything like that. I'm like sitting there. I didn't know it at the time, but and as he's playing and he's singing on top of this, I'm like, okay, where's his voice coming from? Because this doesn't sound like the Willie Nelson I thought I'm used to hearing. Mm-hmm. He actually sounds really good. And his guitar playing is really good. And I'm just sitting there. And, man, I kind of close my eyes. I kind of have a spiritual moment there for a minute and listening to Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. And, and I kind of close my eyes, and then he's playing, and picking and doing all this and it's just so beautiful and then after he quits i just kind of come back to earth and you know and then i was like i didn't want to say anything because i didn't want him to know i didn't really know anything about him but right then just like loretta i became a fan mm-hmm. and i was like wow and so and the funny thing always people always ask me did you smoke with him you know <laughs> and my my mom, my uncles, and my aunts were in that room, you know, the little room that we they gave us. And I was like, if I smoke with him, I'm going to have to go back and be stoned in front of my family. Then they're going to get on to me, you know. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, no, I don't smoke. And uh, and I, I'm thinking the only time I think I should ever smoked when would have been then. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. Oh. So that's just, you know, people like, oh, you missed the chance to smoke with, uh, you know, with, with Willie and. I said, I probably would have never been right since then, anyway, <laughs> the way he smokes and what he was smoking back then. So, no, I didn't smoke with him. And, uh, and then I went back, you know, and I was just kind of like walking on a cloud, like, oh, my God. So I go back and tell my family, like, yeah, you're lying. I'm like, no, I'm just there. Where do you think I've been? You know, and they're like, I'll oh, get out of here. You know? and <laughs> I'm like, geez. But, yeah, I've, I've met some some crazy, like, times. I've just met some people. It's just, like I said, I was just like, how did I ever – get a chance to you know do some of these things i get to do in life mm-hmm. and it's just 
amazing, you know. So Damn, that's I don't dope. know. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, dude. Just handing you water. Young Buck. Call me your young buck. Young Buck here. I was like, how do you know I was even standing there? He just was like bent over and he just starts hand me the He's magical. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> So, but yeah, and then I did some research on him afterwards, uh-huh. and and I learned about the guitar, and I was like, oh my god! So, I was there with him, sitting across from him, about as as far as ways you are to me, mm-hmm. while he's bringing that legendary guitar and playing one of his songs, and you know, I was like, man, how fortunate! I I wish I had a video or something back then. I wish you know, my mom still has her little red thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about you know. I don't think there was telephones back then when I had it's like cell phones. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take a picture or something. But, Man, uh, that's cool though. I mean, I believe it. I wish you would have smoked with him, but it's all good. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been dope though. Get it, dope. <laughs> dope. <laughs> but thank you for coming over. Man, uh, I had fun. Getting to actually know you. We run into each other, but you know, I love hearing like the story and everything and all these other stories that about Willie Nelson and I mean, I would have never thought I'd be sitting by somebody who got to perform for Willie Nelson one on one. That's that's fucking cool. So the noise you hear in the background is the dog like, scratching. scratching. Of course. <laughs> but go ahead and uh, plug up or well look out for him in Killers of the Fire Moon, Res Dogs. And then go ahead and plug up um, anything you want to plug up. Oh, don't forget, uh, there's a guy. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of his first name. Uh, Will Buck, and then uh, the other guy, Yahola. Anyway, they they do this thing called Res Cops, and they were taken off YouTube because of the music Bad Boys, but I think they're back on again, and you know because some of the rights of the certain songs. So they asked me to do a thing on Rescott so I get pulled over. I've, I put it on my Facebook, and it's all improv. Mm-hmm. It's all my improv. And they were saying, they sent it to editing, and Will said that the guy said, I don't need to edit this guy. I like it. So, And I don't even know where I came up with some of the stuff. Like, they pulled me over. Like I was like, hey, honey, that's all right. Don't, don't be cool, baby. Uh, Nixon gave me a martial status or something like that, you know? And I'm like, which is true. But I was like, how did I come up with that last minute? And then I was saying, uh, <clears throat> I'm known all over the world about all the native girls, you know, and just weird <laughs> stuff like that. I, I never mentioned or said before, but it was all important. So anyway, look for that. It's called Res Cops. I, if you want to friend me on Facebook, it's Michael Loman, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Loman, L-O-M-A-N. You'll see a fancy dancer picture on there. That's me. Yeah, friend me. And I have it posted on there. It's real funny. And I need to get more exposure of that video and Res Cops out. And we're going to collaborate with them eventually, doing episodes on the new show. We got a lot of ideas that me and Norris are coming up with. It's going to be awesome. Yes, there's some things we do agree on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make the show great and hopefully much continued success with uh, us and you and everyone we have on the show and just flourish and bring everybody up together and kind of do network what we're doing right now. Just going to people's houses not just you know um doing things you know mm-hmm. and getting out getting you know they say if you want to lift up yourself go lift up someone else yeah exactly that's what it's all about man that's what it's all about at least trying to be of service to however however you can so but yeah everybody go check them out book them 
Um, look out for res cops. Um, I was gonna say I try to look for that. We'll we'll look for that clip. But I watched all three of those clips and I didn't see your 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 part where you got arrested. We'll have to go over it. But yeah, I did post it on my Facebook. That's what I was saying. Anybody wants to friend me and you can watch it. It is hilarious. Okay. But yeah, I'll uh I'll send it to you. That way you can okay. post it out on your media too. Cool. All right. Do you want to play something? I'll I'll, I'll let you. Did you want to? Did you want to end it with a? I'll, a great... I'll take us out with a with a flute song that I composed. All right. Michael Loman, everybody, Indian Elvis. Peace. Look out for him on Killers Fire Moon, Reservation Dogs, Indian Elvis on the Res. Got more episodes coming out. Uh, check them out on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Check out Res Cops and go follow Oki Podcast everywhere. It's about Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible. It's available everywhere. Go check it out. Check out the website, okipodcast.com. And yeah, so till next time, everybody. Peace.